Welcome to Marriage Things Week 2. And ladies, this is your week to find out about the deepest need of your man. Now, sometimes it, it almost feels like if you've watched Stranger Things, where we got the little Marriage Things clip from, that when we really understand the principles of God, it's like we're in the upside down because it, it doesn't make sense to the world around us or to our culture. But what God has to say is so profound. Today, we're not going to give you simplistic answers, but there are some simple things, but they're the most difficult things you'll ever do. And ladies, if you think it's going to be difficult for you this week, just wait till next week when I talk to the men, okay? It's going to be our turn. So God's got something really good for you. We talked last week about the differences between men and women and even how hard it is to understand each other. Don't you wish we had like professional translators who could translate for us. Take a look at this video, and then Laura is going to share with you ladies some profound truths from God's Scripture. We need to talk. You've done something wrong. Okay. I'm toast. Now, I'm not upset. I'm upset. I'm just kind of surprised. I'm a ticking time bomb of volcanic fury. Because you forgot about yesterday? Because you are a moron of epic proportions. Yesterday, yesterday. I'm toast. Yesterday was the 15th anniversary of our first official date. Oh, that's right, I remember. I have no memory of that. Do I need to get some flowers or something? No. Yes. Are you sure? Yes. No. Are you mad? No. Yes. You'll remember next year. I will. I won't. So how do you like the casserole? It's, uh... It's a new flavor. Tastes like the devil ate a skunk sandwich and vomited in my mouth. That's my mom's favorite recipe. I grew up on that. Might as well slap my mother in the face. Well, you know I would never do that. You know I think your mother's wonderful. Actually, I think your mother's a... So... Wanna have sex? How was your day? Want to have sex? Exhausting. Don't even think about it, you sex maniac. Exhausting, huh? Want to have sex? Exhausting. I'd rather rub broken glass in my eyes. Do you want to cuddle? Want to cuddle for two seconds, then have sex? My head hurts. You lay one finger on me, and I'll beat you with this lamp, you filthy McNasty. Okay. Good night. How about now? You want to have sex now? There's that uncomfortable laughter in the room. <laughs> so it's a little close to home sometimes, right? You know, I heard about an elderly couple that had been really arguing and just bickering back and forth for weeks, and they couldn't seem to stop, and it went on and on. And finally, she came to her husband one day and said, I think I've figured out what we need to do so that we can stop all this arguing and bickering. She said, I think what we need to do is we need to really pray and we need to ask God to just go ahead and take one of us on to heaven. <laughs> so you pray and ask God to take one of us on to heaven and then I'll pray and ask God to take one of us on to heaven, the one who's causing the issue, and then I'll go live with my sister. <laughs> now, not, 
maybe a true story, but sometimes that's how we feel, right? And I'm not here today as an expert on men or even an expert on the subject matter today. I'm here as one who had a hard time learning this, and I want to share with you some of the things that I learned along the way, the things that I struggled with, and I think it can set the stage to find some change in your relationships, some positive change that may be just what you need. Like Mark said, I'm going to be talking specifically to women today. He's going to be talking to the men next week, so don't worry, ladies. This is just half of the story, okay? But you guys may learn a few things today as well about yourselves, and I hope that you will. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 28, those who marry will have trouble in this life. Now, I imagine if you're married or if you've ever been married or if you've ever been close enough to somebody to consider getting married, that you would say that's true, right? <laughs> I mean, we have trouble. Marriages produce trouble in our lives, produce a lot of good things as well but we have to realize that there are gonna be some struggles along the way when we know that there's trouble, but so often we kinda of get stuck because we don't know how to get out of it and we start spinning around just like that elderly couple that are arguing and bickering and we can't seem to find our way out. It would be as if <clears throat> you walked into the room today and you flipped the light switch and the light didn't come on. And you may think to yourself, well, I guess the light's burnt out or maybe something tripped the breaker. But you do it once again just to check, just in case. That would be a normal response, right? But what would you think if then you started flipping the switch on and off and on and off, on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off, and you did it for two hours? I mean, you kind of think something's wrong with this guy, right? I mean, that's not a normal response. But somehow, I think in our marriages that we tend to do that very thing. Maybe you see yourself this morning that, that you're the person that continues to turn the switch on and off and on and off, expecting different results. I've kind of read before that that's the definition of insanity, right? And some of us in our relationships, we're practicing insanity. And God has a different plan. That's not what he wants for you. Maybe you've been flipping that switch for two months or two years or maybe for the whole time you've been married. I hope today as we talk, that you're gonna to begin to see how to change the light bulb, how to take those first steps and do something different. Because when we continue to operate in that way, while we're maybe trying hard and we're well-intentioned, we end up being misunderstood and hurt and angry and bitter. And that's not good for any relationship. That's not where we want you to be. Ladies, if you knew the very deepest longing of your husband's heart, wouldn't you want to meet that need? I mean, we talked last week about how women and men are different. Male and female were created different. That women tend to be nurturing and caregiving and wanting to build relationships and meet the needs of the people around them. So it would come naturally to you, right, if you understood his deepest need, that you would want to meet that need and you would try to do something to meet that need, right? I think the problem is that so often we don't understand what our husband's deepest need is. And that sets us off on the wrong course. But the Bible gives us insight on that. And I want us to look at that today. Ephesians chapter 5 has been considered by many to be the most significant passage on marriage in the Bible. And the Apostle Paul sums it up in verse 33. And he says this. 
Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. One of the best things I ever learned, and I'm still learning, and it was something that I don't think I would have come up on my own, but it's that the deepest need of my husband is for respect. To men, respect means love. And if I want to communicate to my husband that I love him, I have to give respect to him. That's how he feels secure in our relationship. That's how he knows that I'm committed for the long term in our relationship. That's how he feels and experiences love. That's what love means to him. The Amplified Translation says it this way. And the wife must see to it that she respects and delights in her husband and that she notices him and prefers him and treats him with loving concern, treasuring him, honoring him, and holding him dear. Other translations of that verse say to reverence, to admire, to think highly of, to esteem, to value, treasure, prize, favor, to be tenderly devoted to. Okay, all the men in the room are already feeling it, right? All those words speak to the deepest need of their heart. They're thinking, if I had a woman that treated me that way, that would be a dream. I don't want you to hear me wrong today. Men and women are both worthy of respect. Men and women are both equally to be respected. But the difference is in how your husband receives and experiences and feels that respect. And that's why it's so important to him. It touches his heart and his soul. It changes him. And God knows this. That's why he's given us this instruction. Last week, again, we talked about God created us male and female. He knows the deepest need he put in the heart of a man. And that's why he tells us, if you want to have a successful long-term marriage, this is the very basis of it. We have to respect our husbands. When he tells me as a woman that I'm to respect him, it's because he loves me and he wants me to have the best relationship I can have. God's not trying to lord something over me. He's saying this is the way to do it. It's to my benefit to pay attention. It would be as if I were purchasing a new appliance. And that appliance is going to come with an instruction booklet, right? And it's going to tell me how to plug it in, how to use it, how to clean it, how to maintain it. It will have a section for troubleshooting. Well, this is what we have here. This is the instruction manual from the manufacturer of the mail. And he says this is instruction number one. Respect your husband. And if you miss this step, then everything's going to be messed up. And it's interesting to me that scientific research confirms how important love and respect are in a marriage relationship. Dr. John Gottman is a professor of psychology at the University of Washington, and he led a research team for 20 years. And they studied 2,000 couples who had been married long-term, 20 to 40 years, to the same person trying to see if there was any similarities across the board, any things that we could take away from it to say this is what we need, this is what makes a marriage last long term. Now the couples were very different. Everything about them was different. But he discovered one common thread among them. And he saw it in their conversations. He said there was an undercurrent of love and respect in every one of these couples, 2,000 couples. Love and respect, it confirms what the Bible has said all along. The men in your life are looking and listening for respect. 
Your husband needs respect just like he needs air to breathe. It would be as if he had an air tank with a a hose, and instead of on the tank, it didn't say oxygen, but it says respect. And as long as that tank is full and the air is flowing, he's healthy and strong and feels good in your relationship. But as soon as that basic need is not met, he's not healthy, and he suffers in every way. When you disrespect him or when he feels like you disrespect him, whether you do or not, he's not going to feel good in the relationship. You're standing on his air hose and he's unable to breathe. It's so hard for us as women to understand because God created us different, just like we said. We enjoy being respected. We want to be respected as well, and we should be. But we don't experience it the same way our men do. It would be as if I spoke English and Mark spoke Russian. And we met one another and, wow, that's exotic and attractive to me. His accent, his language, the words he uses, and we fall in love. And then we get married. And pretty soon the in love feeling wears off, right? And then what happens? Well, I'm speaking English to him and he's speaking Russian to me. And we're not communicating. I'm trying to let him know that I love him, but he can't hear it. He can't understand it. And he's trying to let me know that he loves me, and I can't understand anything he's saying. There's a miscommunication. There's a breakdown of communication. And pretty soon, over time, resentment, anger, bitterness, all of those things start to build up in our relationship. And it's simply because we can't communicate how we really feel. We try and we try, but they're not hearing it in their language. You know, Aretha Franklin sings about it, right? R-E-S-P-E-C-T. And it's been an anthem for women all across the years. But did you know a man actually wrote that song? Otis Redding wrote it. It's the cry of every man's heart to be respected. It's what they value most. And the opposite is true as well. The contempt of a woman is what a man fears the most. No husband is going to feel love and affection toward his wife if she seems to not value who he is as a person. Husbands just don't respond lovingly to disrespectful attitudes. Nobody would. You wouldn't either. And here's the key. Just like when the Bible talks about love, it's talking about unconditional love. When the Bible talks about respect, it's talking about unconditional respect. What? Unconditional respect? I've never heard of that before. I mean, respect has to be earned, right? You have to deserve respect. I'm not just going to give it out. That's ridiculous. We all know that respect is earned. But is that true? Because that's not what God said here, is it? Did you hear it? Ephesians 5.33 doesn't read, Wives, respect your husbands only if they have earned or deserve it. It simply says respect him, right? It doesn't say respect him if he behaves or speaks like I want him to. Or respect him if I feel like it. It simply says respect him. Now you may be thinking, well, how do I do that? I mean, what if I don't feel respectful? You don't know how he talks to me. You don't know how he treats me. He's not worthy of respect. I want to give you some simple things you can do today if you're interested in a long-term lasting love relationship that will begin to communicate respect to your husband, whether he's earned or deserved it or not. Because the Bible says 
that's what we're to do. The very first thing I want you to do that can help you begin to give respect to your husband is to recognize that it's God's command. The Bible isn't making a suggestion here. The way this verse is written, the grammatical form is a command form. God is telling us as women, a loving God who knows how he created men, who wants the best for us, who wants us to have lasting, loving marriages. He's telling us, respect your husband. When you give unconditional respect to your husband, you're communicating that you value him as a person. You're communicating that he's a person of worth. It's not about respecting his behavior. It's not about respecting what he does or his words. It's about about honoring him because of who he is. And he's a man created in the image of God. And in that light, he is worthy of respect. And so God commands us to do that. It's God's way, even though we may not understand it. I mean, how much of God do you understand anyway? We can't, right? The Bible says his ways are so far beyond ours. We can't understand them. But when we begin to walk in them, we see changes. We see God move and work when we live the way he commands us to live. So recognize God's command. Honor God by choosing to obey him and give unconditional respect to your husband. The second way you can begin to give respect to your husband is just to check my nonverbal communication. Respect and disrespect are communicated strongly through nonverbal communication. Much of our communication is done that way, right? You speak words to one another, but the majority of what you communicate is done nonverbally. Scientific studies have shown that. And the same is true for respect or disrespect. It's the tone of your voice, the expression on your face, the gestures that you use, all of those things communicate. And when we start to become cognizant of how we're communicating, honestly, I was a little surprised at myself because I was communicating things that I didn't feel at all. I didn't feel disrespectful toward Mark, but the way I said things made him feel that, and it was damaging to our relationship. You know, just a harsh tone of voice will be interpreted as disrespect by your husband, by the men in your life. Did you know that? And it's so easy to have a harsh tone when we're speaking emotionally, we're trying to communicate something. Think about your tone. Be cognizant of that when you're talking. And we have to be aware of our facial expressions. You know, those little things that we do, the rolling of the eyes, the sighing, right? It may be as simple as a a little sound that you make, you know, roll your eyes, you turn your head, flip your hand. Maybe you turn your back on him when he's talking to you or you open your computer, you start checking your phone. Did you know that's disrespectful? Not just to the men in your life, but to everyone. We do those things and they're hurtful. And here's the thing, men pick up on those nonverbal cues and they communicate disrespect. I don't think you ladies want to communicate that to your husband. My guess is you want a happy, healthy marriage with a man who knows you love him. That's why you married him. So we have to become aware of our nonverbal communication. And what about sarcasm? Those biting words that have kind of a little thin veneer of humor on them? It's funny sometimes. But often it communicates disrespect. We have to be really careful. 
Maybe like me, you think, well, I mean, I can't control those things. That's what I thought when Mark first pointed it out to me. I mean, it wasn't a great conversation. <laughs> like, I don't have any control of that. I mean, my, what happens on my face, it just happens. I can't help it. But I learned that that wasn't true. Just uh, Friday night, our little two-year-old granddaughter came over to the house, Zoe, and she's amazing. She's learning to use a lot of words and sentences now, which is crazy to hear that. But she and her family had come for dinner, and she walked in her little smiley self and went straight to the living room where the dollhouse is all set up to play. And I went to the kitchen because we were getting ready for dinner, and I'm doing whatever in the kitchen. And she's in the living room, and she calls me Abby. She said, Abby, come play with me. And I didn't hear her. I was in the kitchen, you know, clanking around, whatever I was doing. She said it again, Abby, come play with me. Abby, come play with me. And then the next thing I heard was this, Abby, come play with me. <laughs> she changed her tone of voice. And she also changed from that sweet little smiling two-year-old <laughs> to something that I really didn't want to go play with. But here's the thing. She chose her tone of voice, right? That she was trying to communicate something. And there were other issues going on where I didn't hear her. But tone of voice was her choice. Do you see that? And it's my choice too. It's your choice too. Now we get in habits, but we can change those. And that's what I want you to see this morning. A couple of weeks ago, I was playing with her, and she was kind of in a bad mood. And I was trying to get her to lighten up and, and be happy again. And so I just started saying things to her. I was like, Zoe, can show me your happy face. And after a couple of tries, she started getting in on the game, and she made this big smile, and I'm smiling. I'm like, Zoe, show me your sad face. And we both had these big frowns on our faces. And it's like, Zoe, show me your angry face. And she wrinkled up her eyebrows, you know, and clenched her teeth. And do you see what she was doing? She was controlling her expressions. She had total control of the expressions on her face. We do too. We have control of our expressions, but we have to use it to communicate the right things. That's what I want you to see this morning, that we communicate respect or disrespect by our nonverbal actions. And if you want to communicate respect, then you need to begin to make those choices. Another way that you can communicate respect to your husband is just to recognize his role in the family. We read Ephesians 5.33 earlier, but I want to back up a little bit because verse 33 is kind of a summary of what comes before it. Read it along with me. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. And then it goes on to verse 33 that we read earlier. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. 
the way we are to relate to one another is already set out before us, already designed by God. Remember last week we told you again that we're created differently in every way. We're different physically, we're different emotionally, and God has also created different roles for us in a marriage relationship. You see in this passage that it's calling us to mutual submission. The wife is to submit to her husband out of respect for him, and the husband is to submit to the wife out of love for her. Now I know if you're like me, most of us women cringe at that word submit, right? Because it's used in a way that isn't correct in our society. And even through the church, down through the years, it has been used incorrectly. But I want you to see today, the husband's role is one of sacrifice. Mark's going to talk about that a lot next week. You ladies want to have your husbands here for that. But guys, it doesn't mean that you're the boss and you're to lord it over your wife. That was never God's design for a marriage relationship. It means that you're the lead servant in your family, for your wife and your children. You're the one who lays down your life for your family, just like Jesus did. Jesus himself said that he came to be a servant to lay down his life. In Matthew 20, 28, Jesus says, and he's talking about himself, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the role of the husband. How are you guys doing? And what wife wouldn't be happy to come alongside a husband like that, who served, who sacrificed, who gave his life, laid it down for her, for her children? That's a beautiful picture. Any wife would want to honor and respect and encourage a man like that, right? All you ladies would like that. The message translation says it this way. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. It's the picture of a point man in the military. I know many of you have served in the military. The point man is the one who goes out ahead of the patrol. He's the, the one walking out in front. He's checking to see if the enemy is there, if the coast is clear. The point man is going to be the one who encounters the enemy first. He's going to be the one that takes the first bullet. That's the role that God has given to the husband. I don't know why he chose it to be the husband. It could have been the woman. It doesn't mean that you're weaker or less or inferior in any way. It just simply means that's how God designed it. That's the role he chose for the man. And he's made the man have that responsibility. I know a lot of women take these verses to somehow be an insult to women. But the Bible isn't saying that women don't have skill or ability or strength or intelligence. It's not saying in any way that we're inferior. Remember what we said last week. We are Azer Konegda. We are God's warrior. When he's operating in that role, when God holds him responsible for that role, then we're safe to step out and do and be all that God designed and created us to be. So when we recognize our husband's role as a high calling of sacrifice, then we can begin to show respect to him in that role, encourage him in that role. The other way that we can show respect to our husbands is to simply encourage him when he leads. 
One of the most important ways for you to demonstrate respect for your husband is to allow him to lead. And you know, it takes a strong woman to allow her husband to lead, not a weak one. I think culture has taught us that a weak woman lets her husband lead, but it takes a strong woman. It takes a woman who knows who she is, God's warrior. But she also knows who God is, her Lord. And so then she submits her will and her attitude and her actions in obedience to God, not in obedience to her husband. God's not asking you to obey your husband. He's asking you to obey him. That's what he's called you to, and that's what it means to let your husband lead. It may simply mean that you defer to his leadership more often. You give him more opportunities to lead. You give him opportunities to be successful, to feel successful. You praise his good decisions, and you're gracious when he makes bad ones. You know, we all make mistakes. Leadership is learned. It's hard, especially in a new marriage. Give him grace as he's learning. Praise him even when he's not around. Praise him in front of your children. You know how many times I've been in a coffee shop or hanging at the park and you hear a group of women and so often their chatter is talking in a negative way about their husbands and I just hate that. That's not what God wants for us. Use your words to praise him even when he's not with you. It's so important that we do. And when you disagree, share your thoughts with him carefully. Use your words carefully. Be careful of your nonverbal communication. Disagreement almost always makes a man feel disrespected. So you need to tread lightly. A couple of years ago, um, I guess it's been that long now, Mark and I were just kind of had a time where we were probably like that elderly couple. We were arguing a lot and just bickering with one another and I couldn't quite figure out what was going on. And it went on for a period of time and I thought, I don't know what's wrong here. I don't know what's going on. And finally, one night as it was happening again, we got into a late night conversation. And it finally came up, Mark said that he felt disrespected. And I was so surprised and I thought to myself, I respect him more than anybody I've ever known. I would never want to communicate that to him. And as we continued to talk through what had been going on, we realized that we'd been having a lot of conversations and I feel comfortable and secure with him. We'd been together forever and I feel like I can share my heart and I can share what I think and I can share what I feel and I can share my opinions with him. But my opinions aren't always the same as his. And somehow when I shared those opinions, the tone of voice that I was using made him feel like I was disrespecting him. That when I shared my opinion, it said, what you think is wrong and my opinion's right. Now you guys all know that we're never gonna think the same things, right? We all have differing opinions and that's okay. But it was how I was sharing it. It was my tone of voice. And we were able to, to see it finally and I was able to make that correction. And we could have the same conversations, me sharing my heart and my opinion, and Mark didn't feel disrespected. So it was as simple as that. So be careful, ladies, when you're sharing those things with your husband. Take care with your communication. One way to encourage him as he leads is simply to express gratitude. That's so easy, and yet how seldom do we do it, right? We talked about nonverbal communication, now I'm talking about verbal communication. Use your words. 
I don't know why so often we think we can be thoughtless with our words and our husbands aren't going to be affected by it. Anybody would be. We're all human. We have to be careful with the words we use. I've actually heard women say things like, you're not the man I thought you were. Or even, you're stupid. You're an idiot. Have you ever heard that? I've heard women say, anyone can do that. What's wrong with you? I mean, those words are not going to endear him to you. They're not going to cause him to act lovingly toward you. No man is going to respond with that, with love to that. Look at Proverbs 18.21. Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. That's pretty strong, right? And did you notice there's no third option? Your words either kill or they give life. How are you talking to your husband? Are you speaking, nourishing his spirit with your words? Are you giving life to him? Some of you today, I imagine, are realizing that you're killing your relationship word by word by word. They pile up, and pretty soon, everything's broken. And it's simply by the words we choose to use. Use positive words. And I know some of you are thinking, well, What would I say? I mean, you are so great at piling your clothes up in the corner. I've never seen anyone do it like you. (laughs) I probably may have said that before. (laughs) You are the very best at sitting in the recliner and watching TV. Okay, remember I mentioned sarcasm. (laughs) Those are not life-giving words. Think of the things he does do well. Put those other things out of your mind. Focus on the positive and begin to show your gratitude for that. Thank him for that. It may be the very smallest thing, but begin there. Thank him for going to work every day. Thank him for taking time with the kids when he's at the house. Thank him for whatever it is. Whatever it is he's doing, whatever small thing you can find. As you begin to express gratitude, you're going to find that it changes things. Gratitude changes It changes attitudes, it changes feelings, it changes relationships, it changes people, it changes me, it changes my heart. And as I begin to express gratitude, I begin to feel it toward my husband. And he feels respected. And that's why it's so important. Don't use your words to whine and complain. Use them to give life. Another way that we can encourage our husband as they lead is to respond to your husband's need for physical intimacy. Therapist Julie Slattery said when couples come in for counseling, she always asks them, you know, why they're there. What do they hope to get out of the counseling session? And she said most often the wife will say, well, I really want uh, to have better communication. I want him to listen better. I want help with the kids or help with the housework. Or She kind of has a list of things that she would like to see happen in the relationship. And then she turns to the husband and asks him the same question. What would he like to see come out of this counseling session? And she said literally nine times out of ten, the husband's answer has something to do with sex. Now, We all know that's true, right? But the thing that you may not understand, the thing that may surprise you, is that sex is not your husband's number one need. It's symbolic of his deeper need, which is respect. That husband in the counselor's office is saying, my air supply is cut off. 
I need my wife to respect me. And that's one of the strongest ways that he feels respect communicated to him when you respond to him when he makes physical advances towards you. 1 Corinthians 7.5 says this, speaking to married couples, so do not withhold sex from one another unless both of you have agreed to devote a certain period of time to prayer. When the agreed time is over, come together again so that Satan will not tempt you when you are short on self-control. Now I'm just guessing, but I would say for most of us women, when we deny physical intimacy to our husbands, it's not because we're praying, is it? (laughs) And it's certainly not something that's been mutually agreed upon, right? Now I hope you'll take time to pray, but I also hope that you'll take time to encourage your husband in this need that he has. Here's the thing we need to understand. A wife experiences emotional release through talking. When that need is met, she feels loved. But when the man refuses to talk to her, she feels that he doesn't love her and he's not willing to meet that need for her. A man, a husband, experiences emotional release through sexual intimacy. And when that need is met, he feels loved and respected. But when a woman refuses to meet that need for him, he feels like you don't care about him, that you don't love him, that you don't respect him. Your need, husband's need for sexual intimacy, it's not just for fun. It goes so much deeper than that. He's not McNasty like she said on the video, Okay. It's so much more for that. It fulfills a deeper need that he's been wired for from God, and that need is respect. When you downplay or ridicule your husband's need for physical intimacy, you're communicating disrespect to him. And the same is true when you allow and participate in physical intimacy with your husband. You're communicating respect to him. It cuts him to the core when you ridicule him. I'm not saying that every evening needs to end in an intimate encounter, okay? That wouldn't be practical, wouldn't be real. But I am saying that as wives, we can take the time to allow and participate and enjoy a sexual relationship with our husbands. Maybe you need to just occasionally initiate Maybe you need to make time for him. Let him know that you enjoy being with him. Make the time for a sexual relationship. And honestly, ladies, didn't you ask him when you shared vows on that wedding day to be a one-woman man? And aren't you expecting that he's going to remain faithful to those vows? And if now you make him a no-woman man, that's not fair to him, is it? And he feels that to his core. Some of you this morning, as we talk about this particular subject, may be feeling a little uncomfortable. I know some of you, there are deeper issues going on. Maybe as I talk about that, you're thinking, the idea of a sexual relationship with my husband at this point makes me physically ill. I can't do it. There's no way. I want to encourage you to get help. God didn't intend for you to live that way. And I'm not saying that so that you'll have a great sex life. I want you to get help so that God can heal your heart and heal, heal your soul. There's something else going on. And I want you to, clear, I want to clarify what I say when I mean, what I mean when I say to be available. I'm not saying if there's sexual abuse going on that you go along with it, okay? 
God never intended that. A friend once shared with me that her husband would invite his friends over so that he could watch them having sex with his wife. And she said, it just doesn't feel right to me. Do you think that's okay? No, it's not okay. And if there's abuse going on in your home, I want you to get help. We have a counseling center at Community of Faith. They're available to you. I want you to have their phone number. It's gonna be on the screen. Call them, get help. They're available to you. This world is broken. We've all been overexposed to sexuality from music lyrics, music videos, TV shows, movies, pornography. We're broken. Maybe it's time for you and your husband to come and get help and rewire your brains. It can be different. It can be better. There's hope. So I want you to get the help that you need. In one national study, 400 men were given a choice between two different negative experiences. If they were forced to choose one of the following, which would they prefer to endure? To be left alone and unloved in the world or to feel inadequate and disrespected by everyone? Not a really great choice, right? (laughs) 74% said that if they were forced to choose, they would prefer being left alone and unloved in the world. I mean, they would... Yeah, that's right. (laughs) They would prefer to be left alone and unloved in the world. That's 74%. Three out of four men made that choice. Chances are that's your husband. What they're saying is, I would rather live with a wife who respected me but did not love me than live with a woman who loved me but did not respect me. It's something easy we can do to change our relationships. There are simple steps we can take. Respect is love for the men in your life. I hope you guys will go home and have a conversation. And I imagine that many of you are going to be as surprised as I was when Mark and I talked about the issue of respect in our relationship. And I hope that you'll tell God that you see maybe for the first time that this is his command to you. That it's not something you're doing for your husband. You're doing it out of love and respect for God and it's translated to your husband. And I hope you'll tell God that you're willing to follow his design, that you're ready to take some small steps, to make some changes, that you're gonna choose to be careful with your nonverbal communication. And ask him, ask God to show you. So often we get in these habits, we don't even know we're doing it. God will show you, he'll point it out to you. And if you're brave, ask your husband to show you. You know, maybe it's something he says like, you know, when you just rolled your eyes, I felt really disrespected. And say it nice like that, guys, okay? But most likely, she's going to go, what? I didn't roll my eyes. She didn't even know she did it. She wasn't trying to communicate disrespect to you. Her heart for you is love. You didn't marry him because you didn't love him. You want him to know. So learn to show respect to him. And remember, that's what faith is, right? It's taking the next small step. Faith is an action. Love is an action. And that's what we want to begin to do this week. Choosing to act with respect toward my husband is an act of faith. It's expressing my belief in God and in his word. And guys, be patient with us. We are learning. It's going to be a process. New habits are hard to develop. When we mess up, let us off the hook. And when we do well, let us know that too. And guys, it's your turn next week.
God's going to talk to you. Ladies, you want to have your guys here, okay? This is just one side of the coin. It takes both. So make sure they're here next week.